Our scripture for today is James chapter 2, and we'll be finishing James chapter 2 with these verses, beginning in verse 20. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. May I begin the message today by giving you a forewarning that my words will seem to continue to be repetitive. And they are. They are some of the words that you've been hearing over the past three weeks. Why do they need to be repetitive? It's because here in these scriptures, the Apostle James is also very repetitive with his words, and especially regarding this matter of faith. I believe that God chose for James to to be repetitive because of ongoing arguments that were taking place then within some churches that he was pastoring, but also they're continuing even now. And those and other similar kinds of arguments that were taking place at the time have continued, as I said, within our Christian churches throughout all these days. And they took place all throughout all of church history. So they're not new to James of that day, and they're not new to us now, and they never have been. Why is that? It's because arguments and debates of this type on subjects of this kind, they are often born out of very earnest desires on the part of men to seek to know God and his plan for their lives. Earnest desires, but earnest desires that go slightly astray. It's been through some of those arguments and debates over church history that many of our modern-day church denominations have, have formed. But such was the circumstance that generated also one of the most hard-fought controversies in all of church history. And again, that controversy is still being fought today. And it involved this very matter that we are discussing here today from the Apostle James. The question, listen, the question being debated was and is, how does the salvation of a person's soul actually take place? How does the salvation of a person's soul actually take place? Are they saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, or must we also have some added requirements of good works? in order to be saved. Now in several passages, especially in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul gave God's very definitive answer to that question, declaring that salvation truly is, and please do remember this sequence, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, with no additional requirements of works on our part to gain our salvation. And in Romans chapter four, God used that this very same man, Abraham, and his circumstance as evidence of that truth. 
But then, as many of our early church leaders read these very passages here in the book of James, they adopted alternative views as to what God really intended in his words. And that was so, especially with the Roman Catholic Church. And because of that, Roman Catholic Church doctrine, even today, even today, they declare that, yes, salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, but also with certain works of righteousness being absolutely required before salvation can take place. So yes, Roman Catholics do believe in salvation by grace through faith. It's not just a matter of works, but it is works that are added to their faith. And by the way, that that Roman Catholic version of salvation was the standard for all the Christian churches until the 16th century. And it was then that this Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther was studying the book of Romans, and especially Romans 1.17. From those words, he realized that salvation does not come as a result of works being added to your faith, but instead that salvation comes solely by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, without any needed works. Those words in Romans 1.17, for in it, for in the gospel, The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, as Luther began to voice this newly discovered truth, the righteous shall live by faith, other church leaders of his time began to agree with him. And from that basis, the Protestant Reformation began. And Protestant churches, such as the very one that we're sitting in right now, were birthed out of that doctrine and birthed out and separated from the Roman Catholic Church. And now, yes, some variations have developed over time by some Bible scholars, such as Calvinism and and Arminianism, Arminianism being Baptist, Methodist, and charismatic folks. So they have their variations of it. But the basic doctrine of salvation by grace through faith alone, with no additional requirements of work, has been the standard of all the Protestant churches, and it still is. But with that being said, there's still many within our Christian churches who read these very words of the Apostle James and can be confused. They can be confused. Here the Apostle's words seem to imply that works really do have a place within the whole matter of salvation. And you and I can readily agree that works do have a place. Works of righteousness have a place. But, but... You and I must be very careful as to how we rightly divide this word of truth to rightly determine the right place that works should occupy within God's plan. As in this passage here, we can clearly see that the works that justified Abraham's salvation, specifically the offering there of his son, and it is said of him that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Listen, it was faith first. If you read that portion of scripture, you'll find that the offering of Isaac was several years after he had to this agreement with God and he was saved. Listen to these words, verse 21 of our passage today. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? Let me repeat what I said a moment ago. God made a covenant with Abraham and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him 
as righteousness. But then his righteousness was proved out and his faith was proved out several years later as he then was going to offer his son Isaac. So may I back up again for a moment and say to us about this confusion about works and how it developed in the Catholic Church. It had its origins in these very words like this. And very honestly, listen, very honestly, if a person used only these words in the book of James and their human understanding, their human understanding to develop their beliefs, then it's no wonder that they might go astray in their understanding. But I'm going to say it over and over again because that's what James does in order that there be no confusion. From these words, it seems clear that some people within those newly formed churches that James was pastoring at the time, they were in the dispersion outside of Jerusalem and other lands. They had come up with a belief that God's grace alone was sufficient for salvation, but based on some other scriptures that they were reading and from other letters from other apostles, they had come up with an understanding that works might be not only unnecessary, might be in some way even sinful. Other apostles, such as Peter, had preached that very thing, that salvation is by grace through faith alone and in Christ alone with no additional requirements for works. But they had taken the whole understanding of those words to the wrong extent. And they were saying amongst themselves, if you do works, then it can be sinful. But they didn't understand that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter absolutely right in all that they were saying about salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. But they were speaking of leading up to a person's salvation and not the events that were going to take place following a person's salvation. And so they were confused. And so then thinking back on what I said about if you were only reading what James had to say, you might be confused. Well, if you read only what Peter and Paul had to say, you might be confused. But God wants us to put it all together. And that's why it's so important, so important to study these scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept, because scripture proves out scripture. And a careful reading of these words of James regarding works will clearly reveal to a person that the events and the requirements that led up to a person's salvation had to do with salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But here with James, he's describing a response that a person will have as they begin to live out or to work out the salvation that God has worked into their soul. So here God is telling us that our salvation is only the entrance way into a lifelong relationship with Christ. And that our salvation will then be proven out or be justified by, as James says it here, by the good works that will begin to take place through the changes that our saving faith has wrought within our souls. Changes that will take place daily. Changes in our habits and our behaviors. We've been studying in these messages over the past few weeks. And our birth, our whole being really is changed. It's radically changed completely and eternally changed. And that change will surely be seen in everything that follows our rebirth. And that's what James is asking here. He's saying, examine yourself. Have these changes taken place in your life because your works will bear out the faith by which you were saved. 
and we've read these words several times over the last few weeks, Second Corinthians 5.17. There he says that in our new birth, the new has come, the old has gone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a strange experience. It's a strange experience, a mystery, but it's true. And this is what James is saying to us over and over again in these words, that once our souls have been born again through the blessed propitiation that Christ made for us on the cross, as believers, our newfound faith and salvation will surely then be evidenced by changes that will take place within our soul, within our behaviors. That evidence is part of what God intended in his definition of faith there in Hebrews 1 where he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The evidence that he's talking about here, part of that evidence spoken about here is that outward manifestation of this invisible inward change that took place the moment we were saved. But again, as we spoke about in an earlier message, we unfortunately don't come into our relationship with Christ fully surrendered to Him and to His truths. And to add to that, we don't come into this relationship with Him fully equipped with, with understanding of these Scriptures. And such seemed to be the case that prompted James to have to write these words here in James chapter 2. James seems to be correcting errors that were being made in the thinking of those people who were following what had been taught to them that salvation is by grace through faith alone. But once a person is saved, he's saying, they have righteous works, righteous works that are required of them. And further, that if a person, if you and I fail to know and to do those works, then our faith, listen, our faith is as good as dead. And possibly, if examined carefully, is not even real saving faith at all. And that's the question he wants us to ask ourselves as we would read these. As I mentioned earlier, I know that these words today are repetitive, but it seems necessary to make very sure that these words of the Apostle James are not misunderstood as they have been in the past. James is telling us here that our salvation does not end at that doorway of salvation. It only begins there. We do think in terms of salvation taking place at one moment in time, and it does. But salvation also has a continuing, a continuing element to it. There are next steps of our salvation. That's what God meant in Philippians 2 when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he gives the how-to. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do you see that? You're working out a salvation that is already within you because Christ is already within you. That's what these verses are saying. And again, yes, our new birth did take place at one moment in time. But there is this continuing element that needs to be worked out by you and I. We're to continue with our salvation by working out as God's Holy Spirit carries forward His plans and His purposes within us. And it's that working out that James is speaking about here in his words. Listen again, let me read the words that I read at the beginning. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. 
You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body, and listen to these words, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. God is giving us a real measuring tool here. Does our salvation, is it worked out daily in our lives through the works that we do? He's saying that's necessary. That's necessary. Let me repeat myself again. James is not saying that works is a prerequisite to our salvation. It is not a prerequisite requirement in order to get saved. But our works are a requirement necessary after our salvation. And our doing of them is evidence. Listen, our doing of them is evidence to us and everyone around us that our salvation experience is really effectual. And it tells us here that faith is made perfect by our works. Now, we in this church might not understand how these words can get confused. You might not understand why I would actually be putting this much emphasis on it. But this very problem is taking place in many of our prominent evangelical churches today. I spoke about it in an earlier message, but I want to mention it here for this context. There's a doctrine that's being preached in some of our Christian churches that insists that once a person has uttered those few words that we call the sinner's prayer or the believer's prayer, and after they have undergone a believer's baptism, then no matter their future behavior, though that behavior may be sinful, lifelong, habitually sinful, that person still surely is saved and no one should question their salvation. And they have a special name for those people. They say that these people are simply carnal Christians, carnal Christians. And they base that on words in Romans chapter 7 where the apostle Paul says of himself that he is carnal. And Paul did go there in chapter 7 of Romans to great extent to reveal to us this constant struggle that he was having with sin between his flesh and his spirit, a war that's taking place moment by moment, most days. And yes, those struggles will also take place in each of our souls, remnants of our old sinful nature that are hanging on, our old habits, our old desires and affinities. They still remain within us. And sin really does want to reach out there and win us back. But may I say to us that the struggle that was being experienced and revealed to us there by the Apostle Paul was evidence that he truly was saved. You see, the Holy Spirit was in him, warring with his flesh. If the Holy Spirit is within him, he is truly saved. And so he's not a carnal Christian in the same sense that these folks in these churches today are trying to define the expression. Because the carnal Christians of today that they are describing, these same kinds of battles do not take place were they to take place, they would surely eventually turn and repent. Now, without my fully joining in to that controversy, may I simply say that I agree with these words of Scripture that we're examining here today. The Holy Spirit within us calls us into absolute surrender to Christ, not only as our Savior, but also as our Lord. Do you understand the difference between those two? Too often, Christ is our Savior but we do not go ahead and pursue him as our Lord. And he has to be our Lord also. So I agree. He is not only our Savior, he is our Lord. And that while 
Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Our surrender to Christ as Lord is essential. It's essential to be the clear evidence that true salvation has actually taken place within our souls. And if that does not take place, then we need to go back, get back on our knees, and ask the Lord what has taken place within our hearts. Because what James is declaring here is that our works will be the testimony that authenticates our salvation. Here through the words of the Apostle James, God is telling us that grace has done its effectual work. Yes, we are fully saved. And when that takes place in our works, our behaviors, our habits, will testify to the authenticity of it. It's time to close. As we do, I want you to listen to these words that I read to us a moment ago. This is the essential message of what the Apostle James is conveying to us. There in verse 20, he says, Do you want to know, O foolish man or woman, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And then in verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray.